So welcome to the show. My name is Mohamed Kalaji. I'm an AWS community builder and software developer at Zero and One. Today I'm with Alex. Alex, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes. My name is Alexandra Irina Nikolai, so I can do the same thing as you, name-wise. Um, yeah, and I'm software um, senior product owner at Axel Springer Ideas Engineering section of National Media and Tech, of Axel Springer National Media and Tech. That was confusing, right? <laughs> We'll, we'll get more into that to make it less confusing. Uh, but you currently work at uh, Axel Springer. Uh, Axel Springer or Axel Correct. Springer? Because it's German, so there's a type of pronunciation. Uh, it might you be German. You want me to because... pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I can... Okay, so the German pronunciation Axel Springer. Axel Springer. Yeah, I'm not German. Like... I'm trying as much as I can. Uh, would you like to talk more about Axel Springer and what the company offers? Yes, we're uh, um, we're the biggest media company or publisher in Europe. Media company publisher. Yeah, we're the big, biggest publisher in Europe. Um, uh, we have like um, built and built um, the biggest uh, in Germany um, newspapers and. Um, yeah, what else? Uh, you might know Politico from the United States. Um, you might know other publications from Europe as well, but not also that. We also have uh, real estate and um, real estate companies. And um, now I have to really think about uh, how we call that in English um, as well. So real estate and we do have, um, come on. Hmm? Classifieds. The word was classifieds as well. Yeah. So, it's so my husband much is more, the souffleurs. <laughs> so, so the company is much more than just a, a media company, if we want to say. Yes, it is. It's also, it's um, the focus is journalistic work, editorial work, um, but we also combine everything basically information-wise that you need um, throughout the day, throughout your life. So if you need a job, you can go to StepStone and find a job with StepStone, which is part of Axel Springer. If you need um, housing, if you need a flat, then uh, you go to one of the real estate companies uh, with Axel Springer. And if you need news and information, then obviously you come to the news outlets. So you currently work as a senior product owner at Axel Springer. What is the role of a product mm -hmm. owner and what should I expect when someone introduced me to this role? Usually when you are introduced to a, to a product owner, you, um, get to know, uh, get to know the head of the, the head of the product, basically the CEO of the product, um, that he or she is dealing with. And, um, with, uh, with them tagging along is, um, and should be usually a whole software development team. So ideally um, someone who works on the product uh, to kind of bring it to life, optimize it, um, maintain it, um, further develop it, feature requests and so on and so forth. And the decisions um, topic wise, uh, what we do is with a product owner and the decision of the how is usually with a software development team. So how to implement those features. That's just, you know, like software development with product owners in a nutshell. But usually let's say if I'm working with a product owner, they're usually, let's say like a scrum master. And then the contact would be from the product owner, the scrum master and the developer. That's what I'm used to. As in the sense, if you're working in a scrum, 
way some other companies might just have a product owner and work with software developers directly. Uh, yeah, Scrum Master is um, obviously a role that is uh, required if you if you work in a Scrum framework or with the Scrum framework um, with software development teams. Um, each team decides with us uh, at Axel Springer how they want to work, whether they want to use Kanban, whether they um, don't want to use any agile framework at all, which would be something um, somewhat um, surprising um, because we're um, we're using the agile frameworks uh, all over the place at Axel Springer. But um, we not every team has a classic what you call um, or what is usually known as a scrum master because not everyone is using scrum. We do have agile coaches though with, uh, with the teams very often. So a scrum master from my perspective and from, from my previous jobs usually um, takes out all of the impediments and um, kind of oversees the process itself, but the how and the what belongs to the team itself. The scrum master is usually someone that is tagging along with the team, uh, but is not really part of the team. He could be part of many teams or tagging along with a lot of teams. So before we dive deep into product ownership questions, uh, there's something I want to discuss about, and it's something that mm -hmm. you studied history and English, along mm -hmm. with the fact that you were on the path of becoming a high school teacher. Then you did a major shift in your career where you decided that academia is no longer for you and you decided to do something as a change. What made you shift towards this? And would you like to talk more about this? Um, actually, yes. Uh, so yeah, I studied history and English because um, honestly, I needed something after school and um, law was back then, uh, or the university that I would have had attended um, for law was just too far away. I didn't want to bother with infrastructure and getting over there. And then I kind of stuck with history and English and I liked history and English. I needed a second major. Um, so what else than English? German? No, English. Um, and then um, eventually I, I established right in the beginning of, of, of starting the whole program that I don't want to become a teacher, but then you kind of stick with it. Why? Because I'm not good enough to become a developer in mathematics concrete, um, to be, uh, to be precise. And so, um, I didn't have the guts to go into everything that was tech back then. Um, I finished university to be a teacher. But meanwhile, I worked every kind of, yeah, student job that you can imagine from working at the gas station up until working, um, with, uh, parliament, um, members, uh, I did practically every job that there is in Berlin and I ended up doing, um, jobs and, uh, when working also for homework and university that are very tech related because tech gave me the opportunity to be lazy. Um, so automating things is a thing, even for people that do not have the skills to do that themselves. Uh, luckily I had, um, back then my boyfriend at my side who helped me automate things for homework that I had to do for university for the papers, but also in my jobs as a working student. And so I learned that results are being very fastly received and visible if you do it with tech. And so I got, you know, 
I got hungry to go more into tech because it's easier to achieve changes and to achieve outcomes than with people when you go to school or when you are a teacher. Usually changing a kid from hating history to loving history takes a takes up some time, energy, and so much more than building a software development, whatever product. I feel you on this one, actually. Uh, I started to like history when I start reading books when I got older, but I used to hate the class when I was in school. So I, I kind of feel you on this one, but I entered into the software development field and I understand the full cycle that it makes you lazy. You reach the position, you just write the exact same thing all over again, you automate things. It's like now I have a script that mm -hmm. runs a script that automates, let's say something for me. And it's very straightforward, but I chose computer science, not because it's lazy. It's just because I had this like natural gift of writing code at a very young age. So at six years old, there's this uh, windows 95 and 98 and the first introduction with windows XP, if you, if you know them. So they start to give us a computer class at school and they just put me a computer and I started to teach us how to write code. And everyone in class was like having mm -hmm. problems. All of a sudden it's like second nature for me. And all my teachers were like, oh, mm -hmm. you should do something related to this. At 14, I started competitive programming. So I started to actually write code in competitions. And then 17, I started mm -hmm. professionally to work. So it, it wasn't something that's lazy. But you do sit on a, on a chair every single day and you start writing code. Yeah. By lazy, I didn't really mean, uh, lazy in the sense of, um, being a software developer is lazy or, um, it is lazy. Um, but it gives you tools that you can usually, when you have to read, let's say you read a text and, um, a, a history text, um, some battles happen happening, barbarians versus Romans, let's say I second season just came up and I just started watching on Netflix to do today in the morning. Um, you really have to understand if you read it in Latin, who fights who and who's the winner. And that's, you don't reread it and reread it and reread it because that's boring. But usually when you do that, when you, when you try to solve that problem with, um, with tech, you kind of automate it and that's the easy part. But how do you make a pupil? How do you make a, a student kid? Uh, a teenager specifically with all of those hormones going on. And um, how do you make them reread this text up until they understood in Latin specifically, which, which army actually won? Because this is how I fucked up my Latin uh, exam. Sorry. Um, um, no, it's fine. I kind of, yeah, so I didn't pass because I, in the end, in the end, I didn't manage to distinguish in between the two armies and to, to, to tell them actually what was the outcome of it because I was too lazy to go deeper and deeper and deeper into understanding which part actually won, you know? And yep. um, with tech, it was way easier. You write something, you display it. People are in awe because it's so amazing what you built over there, what you did over there. And that was so much easier to get outcomes in comparison to not having tech at hand. Um, so I do... And specifically because I'm lazy, I didn't go into tech myself, uh, studying, uh, something like a tech program because I knew that I wouldn't be able to finish it. Um, but yeah, nowadays there are YouTube tutorials and yes, I do know, uh, windows 95. I started with what windows 3.1 back then. So back, way back, I'm old. Um, and so, um, that was the fun part. 
getting to know, to understand and how to, to come up with a product, to come up with results, um, rather than changing the mindset of a kid, of a teenager specifically. Yeah, I'm going to shift to another question, which is that you used to work at the Ideas Engineering, which is a division in Axel Springer from 2017 to 2020 in a team called Team Taylor, which is codenamed for Enterprise, in quotations. Mm -hmm. uh, would you like to, to talk more about your adventures at Ideas Engineering and as a product owner, that what were the tasks that you used to handle there? Right. So Ideas Engineering as a subsidiary of the Axel Springer IT um, uh, was, uh, or yeah, was a division, I have to say, because nowadays we're part of, we kind of integrated with uh, Axel Springer National Media and Tech. So we're still Ideas Engineering, but not as an um, independent subsidiary anymore, uh, or an independent um, GmbH, as we say in German anymore. Um my team and I, we were working on different kinds of products, um, mostly for the editorial companies of Axel Springer. So uh, let's say, for instance, um, we had a product called uh, Newsfinder, something that the editors could open up every morning and get a big overview about what was happening outside, um, you know, like outside of Axel Springer and specifically, um, a specifically, Rather than go to this publication and that publication and the, um, you know, like checking every website there is, have it everything in one dashboard uh, dashboard and changing that dashboard um, with regard to whether today you have to write an article for sports or you focus today as an editor on sports or if you have today's focus is on, let's say, um, um, everything that is economy uh, news related. And so you would come in, um, open up the dashboard and it would tell you everything economy related and specifically searching for certain keywords that you know are very important. That was one of the products that we, um, that we built up together with one of our brands built, um, um, which is, I think, uh, still the most bought newspaper in Germany at this point, if I'm not completely wrong. Um, yeah. And, um, many others as well, but that would kind of probably bore you out. If I, if I tell you all of the projects and all of the products that we maintained, uh, with team Taylor, why team Taylor and why team enterprise beforehand, it was like, um, because the name is also maybe, you know, that from your personal experience, usually when you have this team and they, they call themselves enterprise. It wasn't in the beginning because it was uh, enterprise software. So software for our own colleagues, basically. And then uh, we thought we need a change and it became team Taylor because we did tailored software for um, our colleagues. I actually thought this because of Wiz Khalifa's Taylor gang kind of reference, <laughs> but, but I, 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 didn't expect it to be like, it's a tailored software. So we'd go with team Taylor or, or I thought that some person was the like, guys. he likes Taylor. I, I thought some guy is like, he likes Taylor Swift there and decided to name it exactly the same. It's like, okay, team Taylor, that's it. I'm, I'm going to ask them because, um, next week, next week, I think next week on the 31st, we have our 10 year anniversary and they will be back. Um, or some of them will be back and I'm going to ask them if any of them is a Taylor Swift, uh, 
uh, fan. But no, it was more like I thought, you know, like tailored software, haute couture, and I didn't get them to sign up for haute couture. Uh, so it had to be like tailors, the tailors. So at Ideas Engineering, each employee has like three hours per week to think of an idea and take like one week to work on a prototype. I get the idea it's that the employee might have like, let's say, like a good idea, becomes like a workable service. Uh, but does offering an employee this amount of time to think and come up with a prototype is good enough to produce reasonable work? Um, yeah, I think that might be... Um not a mix up, but a very, like, when you put that in one sentence, everyone has like those three hours, uh, it kind of mixes up with the concepts of what we're doing. So what we did is, um, at ideas engineering, because this was supposed to be also the, or is the innovation hub, um, basically of Axel Springer. Can I say that out loud? We consider ourselves the innovation hub of Axel Springer. That might be something else when, when talking to other colleagues, but we see ourselves as the ones who come up with new things. And to do that, and while working on other products, you need some time to think. You know, you need time to uh, sit down and to think what could be the next step in uh, editorial, uh, in, in German editorial work, in international editorial work, to bring journalism to the next step. Um, and what you do then, um, and what the management did back then, which was a good decision, was to give each of us three hours time to think about what could be the next step in journalism or in all of the other um business cases that we that we have at Axel Springer, so also for real estate or for the classifieds. And you would sit down, think of this idea, and then you would write a little pitch, like, um, what if we change this world in this and that manner? And then we would get together uh, every um, two weeks, so like on a bi-weekly base, to present each other those ideas. So let's say I had this amazing idea about uh, changing journalism, and I would then join my other colleagues, uh, which were back then something like 40 people. So IDs and engineering wasn't that huge of a company back then. Um, we would stand together in front of the board and, uh, and by board, I mean like, um, one of those, like in school where you can paint on not whiteboard, actually one blackboard. And, um, I would present them the very idea that I had. Uh, wrote it down and I would ask them, do you think that's a good idea and we should turn it into a prototype or not? And then it's a little bit convincing uh, the others. So they would come up with questions. So how do you want to solve this and that pro problem when it comes to your idea? Or do you think that's solvable within one week? And you would answer, obviously, I won't change journalism within one week. Um, but what I can do is we can, let's say we can test that uh, library or API or service or whatever and see how it integrates with one of our other products or services. That could be an experiment that we run, a prototype that we build. Um, so the outcome of this week wasn't supposed to be a fully fledged product, still isn't. Uh, the outcome of this week is uh, knowledge that you gain. Either you understood the... Um, API, the service, the lib, the whatever you tested out, 
or you sat down and understood your own idea a little better if you're not completely tech driven let's say we because every employee with every role is allowed to do that and was allowed to do that so if you have let's say um someone who's working and controlling presenting an idea he or she obviously won't sit down and test uh software libraries or software apis but if they sit down and think about their idea another week They take this time because they get the opportunity to take this time and they get support from a specifically, uh, um, specifically focused team that um, works on solely prototypes. You kind of get the, um, the knowledge to, to go then afterwards to the next step and try out either it makes sense and you start building a product later out of it, or you kind of bury the whole idea because it doesn't make any sense. We cannot achieve that in given time or whatever. Does that make But, sense for you? Um, I try, let me recap what I've got from it and see if I actually got it right or wrong. Mm -hmm. So let's say for an example, I have this amazing idea that I can make something valuable. And I got like mm -hmm. uh, three hours to think of this idea and to write it down. And I have mm -hmm. a one week to create a feasible prototype, if you could say something to reach a middle ground, if you want to say. And You're not reach... doing it alone. Yeah, I'm not doing it alone. I can use mm -hmm. other team members. So let's say I'm the mm -hmm. software developer. I might get someone who's marketing, another person who's, let's say, sales. We can start thinking about how we can make this an, a reasonable product. We create, let's say, an MVP, maybe me and another software developer inside of the company. We form this product and let's say in one week, I come and present it and say, okay, this is the product that I've created. This is the MVP. This is where we've reached. And then we decide if whether it's a workable service or it's not workable. Maybe I need more time to work on this, or maybe we can publish this at the current stage and we can advance on it later on. But if let's say, for example, I created this product and it actually worked in the one week period i re i created an mvp that gave some results it i work on it it becomes like a core product inside actual springer or what happens after? so um for us yeah so what they create uh, within a week um is a prototype together with a specialized team that is focused on prototyping um You don't bring at this point anyone from sales or from marketing. You are just this prototyping team and yourself who had the idea. And you sit down and like you said, the outcome of the prototype could be something that is um, running properly. But never, uh, we never expect the prototypes to go live and to go into production. That's maybe something that um, will help then for for the future uh, uh, person that will take on this product to give an impression about how the service could look like, but you cannot take it and then, or this wasn't intended with us. You don't take the prototype and build upon it and, you know, like scale the prototype. That's not the major idea. The idea of the prototyping is, you know, like um, in German, we say do um, Durchstich. Uh, let me think of English term for that, um, a walkthrough basically, right? My husband is saying it in the background. So to have a walkthrough through basically the idea and see whether it would be feasible in the future or not. Um, doing that doesn't make it a core product yet, but the idea to take it then and show it to the stakeholders that might, you know, like, um, 
elaborate on it in, in the future. This is something that uh, should happen definitely after the prototyping phase. And if it's a promising product or it can become a promising product, right? I just want to highlight one thing. I like the word that Germans actually do have a word for something. <laughs> like, right. We're like, trying like, to. It's like to, they come up with actually, something. They come up with something. It's like, okay, this is a word. It's not explainable in English. There's a definition for it in English, but it's found in German. <laughs> yeah, right. The, there are so many TikToks about that. Um, so Durchstich, uh, I can explain it in English. I never did beforehand, but Durchstich in English would be then to pierce through something. So if you pierce through all of the features, like very you know, like low budget, low, low maintenance and so on, just from, from top to bottom to pierce through, that would be the, the explanation for Durchstich. So if you imagine a knife piercing through a cake and then you kind of understood whether the cake is a good cake or not. And the I cake like the is part a lie. That, <laughs> the cake is a lie. Oh, it's a poor reference. Uh, but I like the part that it's all of it and just one German word and you have to explain it in a paragraph in English. It's like, I've seen like True. very weird, I've seen very weird German words. It's like, there's, there's like this one word that, that has like a huge paragraph explaining it. I was like, okay, uh, that sounds cool. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> yeah, shift. we do that all the time. I'm going to shift to another question, which is after ideas engineering, you shifted towards <laughs> ideation council, which is an initiative right. in actual Springer in ideation council. It's a council that you would make an idea to become a product in the near future. Before we diving deep into the council, why would a company, let's say like Axel Springer, would resolve towards having an idea, ideas council and what would make an employee's ideas come to life? What benefits would Axel Springer benefit from? Like what it's like becomes an internal product or becomes an external service that is sponsored, let's say by Axel Springer. You can pitch on to yeah. Um, <laughs> that's actually a good question because it's not that far away from the prototyping that we did at ideas engineering beforehand. So what we, this is where the whole idea of the ideation council actually comes from. We had this, what we called in the past innovation council, where we stood in front of the blackboard and pitching each other ideas. And then we would say, let's build it or let's not build it out as a prototype. But we were very limited in getting feedback from others, um, from the bigger company, from the bigger corporation, basically, because um, since we were and yeah, a small subsidiary with only 40 people. And this is a very large company. We didn't get um, people too interested in joining us in front of the blackboard and giving us feedback. Like, like, like let's say if the editorial teams would join in and my idea would be valued completely different by the editorial teams who work every day than with their software developers, than with my direct peers. So uh, my colleagues, let's say from the tailors, the tailors would maybe think because we don't have the context of the overall company that this might be a very good idea, but the editorial team from build or from Welt from one of our publications would think, Oh no, that might be a stupid idea or a bad idea because we did that already in the past. And so we lacked, um, fee um, feedback from outside and by outside, I still mean Axel Springer but the larger corporation. So if you think of Amazon um, and you have like, let's say the Kindle uh, um, 
colleagues, everyone who's working with Kindle and you pitch something uh, like, let's say also tech Kindle related, everyone within the Kindle team would might, might say it's a good idea, but Amazon overall would tell you, yeah, but that won't sell because this and that. And so what we lacked was uh, feedback from outside. And the idea was, let's open up this innovation process to everyone at Axel Springer and call it Ideation Council. Um, it's a little more, more complex than that, but the overall idea is invite other um, subsidiaries, other brands to um, sit in and listen to the ideas of our colleagues. Also, it's not just ideas engineering colleagues that is pitching ideas like it was beforehand because the process was only known to us. Um, but we have from other subsidiaries and other brands coming people in and pitching ideas, not even necessarily for their own brand, but for other brands. Because if you work for Amazon Kindle, but you have an idea for Amazon Fire tablet, why not pitch this Amazon Fire tablet idea to, um, you know, like um, have better products than in the end with Amazon, if we take the Amazon example, or if, you know, you, as soon as you take off the, and now again, German, no, forget it. As soon as you try to um, not focus on solely on your own products and on your own um, group and peer group, and you try to overcome that, you get even more ideas to the table and even more valuable ideas to the table um, than just narrowing your universe down to your peers. And this is what we did. We opened up this, this whole narrow universe of ideas engineering into whole Axel Springer and give every employee at Axel Springer basically the opportunity to do what we did beforehand. The value is finally people are being heard more than before. Also, they are being heard cross brand and cross uh, skill and cross um, function, functional as well, because um, everyone from controller to feel good manager to whatever role you have can be listened to. Usually when you have people pitching ideas, it's very often either the product owner or the software developer pitching an idea then to this, his own team or to, uh, let's say, um, his or her line manager or even higher, let's say the board or whatever. But very seldomly you get, when you don't have a structured uh, process, you have people from, let's say, um, the lawyers pitching an idea about software or about an optimization. You have lots of lawyers in the companies. They have ideas too. Um, you will you will be able to get more valuable ideas and also Axel Springer will have more valuable ideas brought to the table because this initiative is something that we um, promote throughout the company. Um, we teach people how to pitch. So it's not every, every person has a talent you know, like a God given talent or like by birthright uh, to, to pitch in front of an audience. So what we do is also, we take them by hand, uh, sit together with them, teach them what a good pitch, um, actually is how they can ease themselves into this whole situation to be valued their idea, to have their idea valued by, by other people from the company, sometimes even management, you know, because not everyone is born to be someone who pitches. And so we teach them. We also look into the business cases themselves and to their ideas themselves and try to uh, help them 
narrow it down, make it more specific, not just pitch the usual, oh, let's build Facebook. And then you ask yourself, hmm, what is he actually, what does he want to pit, build actually? Is it the thumb? Is it the, um, is it the, uh, the feed? Does he want to have the, basically the address book? What, what is it that he pitches, um, out of Facebook if he pitches something like that? So be more specific and teach them. Um, and this is the value of, of, of then of this initiative to Axel Springer and the benefit people will be able to verbalize their idea much better in the future than they did in the past, because we teach them how to. And also, uh, if an idea is valued within the ideation council, that it's probably going to be a good idea to be tested. Then we sit down and we build a prototype and test this prototype with users, something that a controller or a lawyer usually wouldn't get because he doesn't have a software development team behind him, helping him to visualize this idea. So if let's say for an example, the only thing is about this, that you open the department to all other subsidiaries inside of actually spring the company. So let's mm -hmm. say if I'm in, let's say in this uh, real estate company, uh, that is part of actually Springer. And I had an idea mm -hmm. and I want to pitch it in the past. I want to talk with my, let's say, my, let's say the, the leader of the team, my team, or let's say the higher management, they would say, no, we're not interested. We'll, we'll throw this idea on the side. Now I have this chance of proving this idea that I came up with, pitch it into the ideation council. And I say, okay, this is an idea that I came up with that might make things easier. Maybe I could see who's interested to work with me on this and we can create something. Yeah. And also, since we don't have just one real estate company, uh, let's say one real estate company is not interested in it because, you know, like they have their um, roadmap already full. They know exactly what they want to achieve within the next years. But the other one might be very interested because it fits more to their, um, let's say, target audience. It's more interesting to their target audience or the country that they operate in is more interested in that feature and that specific service than, let's say, the other company. And so we give them the opportunity. We kind of, after, after the prototype has been built and after the testing um, happened, we go from unit to unit and basically present it and show them uh, what we achieved um, or what the idea could provide uh, in order to bring value to their business unit. So at the ideation council, you have an ideation innovation process, which goes as developing the idea. Then you go into a voting process, then the development process mm -hmm. of the prototype. Then we deliver the prototype in like four to six weeks. And then we pitch the prototype to potential customers based on this process that was created did it yield any progress that the council decided to adopt it? I did it yield. Could you explain that a little better? I didn't really get it even, uh, in the preparation. I didn't. Yeah. So, so what's... Uh, as in like yielding the value, it's like, have we decided to, let's say for an example, I've decided to adopt this plan and we're going to mm -hmm. give it like a test drive. And mm -hmm. if this test drive worked out, then this is the plan that we're going to move in for mm -hmm. a long time. So they, the ideation council decided, okay, this is the plan that we're going to work with and we're going to try it. And usually when you try it and it, it gets adopted, that means it's a workable process that does bring any kind of value rather than just being an assumption. Mm -hmm. That's the, the idea. Mm -hmm. of 
Okay. Yeah. So it works to the point that we can prove um, that the ideas have a value then to uh, to other subsidiaries of Axel Springer. So uh, we did that already. We have proven that um, the process works. Um, to be honest, what we also have is we have a kind of fatigue with the colleagues since because we started in 2021 with the whole process. So in the midst of Corona and doing everything digitally. And at this point, we have a kind of, um, I would say, fatigue for people to um, log in, tell you their idea and then, you know, like work and, and go deeper into the process. Um, what? Well, what we learned so far is that uh, rather than waiting for the people just to give us an idea, we do uh, go out and ask them for problems. So you don't have this specific idea because you're worn out. Corona worn you out. You're bored in sitting to the next, sitting within the next call and so on and so forth. And even if we go nowadays back to the office every now and then, not as much as beforehand, uh, it's still you don't have as many interactions, human interactions and before, and you usually need human interaction to come up with new ideas because it's helping you to discuss, you know? Um, and so we ask them for problems uh, to, to fill up the funnel basically with new ideas. So we adjust the process uh, when we see that there is an impediment, whether it is in the beginning of the funnel to get ideas or in the end to come up with new prototypes or to come and see whether we can test those prototypes, we kind of adjust the process. It's for some, it might not be visible, but for us as a team working in the ideation council, we do make adjustments every now and then when we require them. So if let's say for an example, I'm going to shift to another question, which is that if I found out that the ideation mm -hmm. council is for people who worked at actual Springer, but let's say if I'm an ambitious person who, mm -hmm. who found out about the program, I'm interested, I have an idea and I want to pitch. Does this work for me as well? Or it's just something that's internal that is created for the company, for the people inside of the company, or is there's a like an, another insider pro program inside the ideation council for outsiders. Um, the ideation council specifically is just for employees of Axel Springer and their, um, and the, the larger brands or the brands that belong to Axel Springer. But there is a company that works, um, also a company that belongs to Axel Springer, um, in, in cooperation. It's called the APX or Axel Springer Porsche Accelerator, where you could, if you have an idea and you're an outsider, like not belonging to any of the subsidiaries or to the brands of Axel Springer, to go there and to pitch not just your idea, but um, I think they work with startups, very early on startups. You just, you had this idea, you have the MVP and you need some funding in order to, you know, like get the whole thing going and you need a network. Um, they would help you with networking. Also maybe in the background a little bit with uh, uh, shaping the business case, if they see that you could shift at, at a certain point and so on. So APX would help you if you're an outsider, Axel Springer, Idea, uh, ideation council helps you if you're an insider. So I'm going to ask like a general question here, which is that assuming the fact that I want and created a prototype to an idea, uh, a good portion of those mm -hmm. ideas might be worth investing more in. And there are ideas to like mm -hmm. 
meh, we've seen this. This this sounds good on paper, but it doesn't scale, or we didn't get the expectation. Let let's say you you the idea is great, but it didn't give us the results that we had in mind. When we say mm -hmm. that an idea didn't perform well, it's due to the fact that the the prototype wasn't finished on time, or there's a list of functionalities that I would expect them to be present, but they weren't, or they didn't give like a decent presentation. Like, is there like a criteria to check if there's an idea worth investing more time into? Like, I've seen ideas they get um, funded for it, and there are ideas that they need more, a little bit more time to actually mature and give you the actual results they want. Yeah. So what we do right now is we test with users and we see what the user is saying. And depending on how the adoption is based on, uh, on usage then on within, within our testing, um, processes, we would either follow up and, and see whether we find a stakeholder within Axel Springer to, uh, to further support this idea and make a product out of it. Because at this point, we prototyped it, we tested it, but we don't have the funding within this initiative to build a product out of it. So we go from unit to unit, present it um, from, from brand to brand, present it, and then um, uh, also help the ideator basically to do that because it's still his or her idea. We don't take it away and, you know, like internalize it or anything. It's still their idea. Uh, and we help him with our network to find a stakeholder. If no one ever is interested, let's say um, it was a, the test run ran smoothly, but uh, no unit is interested in that. We put it aside, but every now and then when the occasion comes, you know, you have a different discussion with person X, Y, Z, whatever, and then you have it in mind. I do have all of the catalog right now in mind and could like, because it's still, it's, it has been a year, um, a year and a half, but uh, maybe in two years, I won't be able to remember all of the prototypes anymore. But at this point I can. And every time that I sit together with someone and they are telling me, oh, we have this problem. I sometimes tell them, I do have this prototype at hand, this idea from person X, Y, Z, and that might help solve your problem. So at this point, um, we're helping them to, um, present their idea, to learn how to pitch, to test it, to prototype it, but also to um, to do the business development within the larger corporation of Axel Springer. So every time that I have a discussion, I have this catalog in mind. Why isn't there a product inside that, Does that, that help? lets you do that? What, no, why there's no product that lets you actually find the prototypes much faster? Oh, we do have a website where you can have, uh, where you can look them up, but, um, you know, it's not just the prototype catalog where you go and filter for stuff. It's, uh, also when you talk to stakeholders is a, a lot of, you know, like what we are doing over here and building up connections and trust. So you have to make them understand that this thing is coming from someone who actually did their homework. We did our homework. It's not just, hmm here you have the one pager and now you can go uh, and read alone. Um, it's like easing them into, uh, I'm kind of becoming a salesperson, even though I don't like being a salesperson, but it's also about a bit of, about selling, uh, selling the idea of later on, even if, you know, like you're, you're already done with it because it didn't prove 
to be interesting in, let's say, 2022. But I can promise you that in 2024, many people will stand up and be awake and, and uh, wake up and, and tell you, oh, this was this thing back then. And we still have it in our prototyping catalog. But you need someone who actually gives you the context. It's not just a website to look it up. I, I don't know how it is with you, but with us, it's still a lot of communication that has to happen. Yeah, I'm going to Documentation shift to helps, question. but it's not everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. we actually face this in software development, the whole idea of documentation, that sometimes it helps, but it's not the solution. So you have to go on Stack Overflow to find the question mm -hmm. for that. So, but I'm going to shift to the community helps. question. The community always helps. Mm -hmm. I'm going to shift to another question, which is, as someone who works as a product owner, do I have to get certain certifications like being, let's say, like a Scrum Master or related certification that would help me towards the role as a product owner? You should be a teacher of history and English only this way you can. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> actually, no, I don't think so. I think you have to have when you're, um, I don't think that you need, um, the scrum master CSPO and all the other, those are, um, those certificates help to understand the topic, but nothing, 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 not even reading, um, kind of substitutes for working with a team and understanding what the team requires in order to build a product. So you could be, you could be as knowledgeable as, you know, like you could have a PhD in product management or product development or whatever. If you don't know how to work with people, product ownership is not for you. So, uh, not only certifications, but also a lot of building relationships and understanding team dynamics and understanding how you bring people, um, how you can ask them to do certain things without forcing them or them fe feeling forced to do certain things, understanding when they give you feedback, putting your own ego be, you know, like in the backpack and, uh, working with a software development team, um, on this, on the same level, on eye level, even though I don't have any technical skills. Um, I do think that you need a lot of communication, a good portion of communication, uh, skills in order to be successful as a product owner or as a product person in general. Yeah. I'm going to end the podcast with a mental health question. I usually do this, uh, mm -hmm. as have you ever faced burnout or imposter syndrome? And if you did, what did you do to resolve these issues? Burnout throughout university, mm, of course, mm, because you, I constantly had the the impression that I work a lot, but I don't get a lot out of it. Um, but that's why I've shifted to IT as well. So that's what I did. And imposter syndrome every day that I look in the mirror. Who doesn't in a way? Because I'm I'm working in tech, even though I don't have tech skills. So if that doesn't cause imposter syndrome, I don't know what does. Um, what do I do for that? I read a lot. I kind of teach myself. I listen to people. I learn from them. And eventually I kind of stand up and be a little more self-secure. And that helps. Also to take off the glasses when you speak in front of people. So you don't see them anymore if they do green masses, you know? 
Uh, yeah, the whole glasses part works if you have like very poor eye vision, but if I can see perfectly well without the glasses, then it doesn't work with me. But I do okay. read. I, I I do journal actually. I do read and journal. Mm -hmm. Which which kind of works out. Yeah. So for me it is um if someone if you if you go into a discussion, let's say, about um artificial intelligence and you feel already that you have no idea what is happening or what's the definition or what's the distinction between machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence. Don't go into the discussion and bullshit your way through the whole thing. Read beforehand or ask colleagues. You don't have to know everything, but at least prepare. And then the imposter syndrome will be less visible on you and your face. That's what I do.